Hello, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I'm your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and uh, joining me, as always, is my brother, Josh Sarnecki. Hey, did you know everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked? Uh, so Josh, Josh is close to, you know, what we're talking about, but he's, he's a little off. Uh, we are talking not about Avatar The Last Airbender, but the uh, sequel series, The Legend of Korra, which uh, came out 10 years ago in uh, April of 2012. Um, Josh, do you remember where you were? Not when the Fire Nation attacked, <laughs> but uh, when this show, uh, The Legend of Korra, first debuted on Nickelodeon. Oh, let me tell you. I think we all remember where we were when the Fire Nation attacked that that horrible, horrible day. Um, no, no, we're not talking about Stosen's Comet right now. We're talking about uh, when Korra premiered. Yes, I remember that I was in college, uh, I believe sophomore, and I remember watching this, I think, on my computer or maybe my TV in my dorm room. Uh, and for whatever reason, at some point... I got like the first two episodes for free on iTunes and I still have them on. Well, I mean, it's not iTunes anymore, but whatever. Apple, Apple TV. Yeah. I, Apple I TV without the plus. Yes. Apple the, TV minus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the, the, the non-mathematical Apple TV. I, I still have them on there, which was surprising for me. Um, so yeah, I, I was a fan from the beginning and you know, here we are now 10 years later, still talking about it. Do you, did you watch it in a similar way? I believe I watched it in my dorm room um, on a TV. I believe I, I don't believe that it was on online. Okay. Okay. Um, and maybe I did watch it on TV too. I, I just because I had it on iTunes, that makes me think that I watched it there first, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's can't go back in time and check as a, I mean, the most important use of time travel is to find out where you watch the TV show. Yeah. It's 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 a close, you know, second with, you know, killing Hitler. Um, but right. Uh, no, I, I I remember, though, that I'm pretty sure I watched this the, this premiere episode like several times when it came out. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I think I I downloaded on itunes and I, I think i watched it once i was like i need to see that again and i watch it right away i get another time uh, okay i mean it's not a very complicated premiere but i know maybe there's just so many different layers that you like i don't know yeah and i the, i do think it was the first two episodes that i had um, I don't know if that's just how they released it originally for, or like that was a special on iTunes, like both the two, the first two episodes were free, but I'm pretty sure it was both. Right. Yeah. I don't know if, um, it was the first two episodes aired, if they aired together. Um, that's a good question. They might have now. Um, I, I don't know if you probably only watched the first one, but I definitely have a good idea of what the second one was about. We could talk about that. Oh yeah, I I mean I've watched the series multiple times, so I've I've got a good grasp on um, that first season. I, I've watched that first season several times. Okay, yeah. So, um, I guess a little background. So, um, 
I both of us were into uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender when it was on. I actually remember when that first came on, seeing stuff for it in like Nick Magazine, and thinking like that looks dumb. I won't. Wa- <laughs> I won't. I won't watch it. But then uh, later watching the premiere of that and being like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And then becoming a fan of it later. And then, you know, that ran from 2005 to 2008. Mm. Um, And then when I was in college, um, well, I guess I think we we watched. um, It like kind of sporadically when I was out and then we watched some of it later, I think, on Netflix um, and then later, um, I had a group of friends in college that, uh, we watched a lot of the episodes of Avatar together. So, um, I forget if we already heard about the Legend of Korra, um, if, or if that was news we heard later on, but uh, we were excited for it. Oh yeah, definitely. It was, it was something we were looking forward to as fans of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, but yeah, you're right. We did watch the original series somewhat sporadically and yeah it wasn't until it was all on netflix that i think we watched most if not all of book three of of avatar yeah i remember seeing a little bit of book three um on tv uh, like the the finale but Mm. uh, a lot of it was sort of um we we just didn't see so but you know we were all caught up for legend of korra um but do you think how accessible do you think that this premiere was for a newcomer? Do you think it explains enough? It does have the prologue similar to uh, Avatar explaining the the past, you know, hundred years, basically. <laughs> I think it's somewhat accessible. I do appreciate the little recap at the beginning, and I do think that the the general opening of explaining like what the avatar is um gets you introduced to the elements and the idea of bending well enough uh, i mean definitely there are a lot of relationships that you're not going to really be able to appreciate as much like seeing uh katara as a as an old woman is not going to be as impactful unless you've watched the original series yeah it's just like who's this <laughs> yeah why is even Marie Saints here. I don't. I didn't expect her. That that was a surprise. I don't think I knew until rewatching it that it was her. But you know, obviously, you know, famous movie star um, from way back when. You know, in movies like On the Waterfront and North by Northwest. I was I, I, I'm surprised that they were able to get somebody that famous. Yeah, yeah. They they did a good job with that, and I was kind of surprised. I think it's funny. I know her best from Superman Returns. She right. played Ma Kent. Right. The, the, the role that probably nobody else remembers her from. But I do. So if you had watched the original, really you'd understand how massive some of the changes were. And it would really give you an appreciation for how much the world has changed since the original. So like just seeing that there are a whole family of airbenders now and also that's no firebenders are no longer always the bad guys things like that would and also like metal bending is this thing that like so many benders can do now like so many small changes i thought i was kind of surprised you didn't mention the fact that uh 
there's a car in, like there's there's cars okay that that is a bigger change that yeah i mean that's the, that but that wasn't something that i think you would be rewarded as by an original viewer like uh-huh i mean that might be something I think for me that was shocking, saying like, "Wow, technology sure has advanced quickly." In but this it world. makes sense. I mean, it, it is a sort of like, well, the avatar, the world of the avatar is sort of like this almost sort of ancient world, but also sort of steampunk a little bit. Yeah. And then this goes very much into the steampunk uh, genre, mm-hmm. and normally I'm actually not a big fan of steve punk but i think that this show for the most part does it well yeah it i mean like you said like the original did have some elements of that with uh especially like the fire nations uh tanks right it's a very mechanized mechanized army zeppelins and things yeah even yeah even from the 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 get-go of that with like their massive iron fleet right right but yeah this definitely turns it up to another degree where yeah you've got cars now you got, got radio yep. later you'll get uh moving pictures yeah movers as they're movers, called which if you think about it could have been what we ended up calling movies if we just changed it a little bit but yeah but no it's it, it's something where if you'd watch the original it's rewarding and it's also kind of shocking to see how much has changed, but it's not, I don't think necessary. I think it just enriches your watching. If you've, if you've seen the original, I think it was important for them to have the world advance in such a way that it was recognizable, but it felt like um, there was a progression. Cause I, I, again, this is like almost, you know, 80 to a hundred years after um avatar mm-hmm. i do appreciate that because i feel like some often in fiction it seems like the world is kind of static like thinking of star wars mm-hmm. where really like you know that spans you know more than 50 years but really technology does not advance all that much in between like episode one and episode nine um yeah i mean definitely not as much as you would i mean you think about some of the things you know when i think about the world that you know our grandmother who was born in 1929 and her being 92 now and how different the world is from then mm-hmm. um it's just sort of boggles my mind and she for her <laughs> she's just like yeah whatever <laughs> <laughs> for me i was just like that's that's sort of mind-blowing yeah um so i guess getting a little bit into the the actual story what is the plot of the premiere um you could also cover the first two episodes so the the first episode and then the the second episode okay sure so the plot of the first episode of the legend of korra pretty much brings us to the next avatar in the avatar cycle where in this world um there is this um being known as the avatar who can master all four of the elements um through bending which is a kind of form of martial arts where people from certain nations can control certain elements but the avatar is special they can control all four um so the first series we met ang and he was the the avatar at that time and now we're fast forwarding to the next avatar korra 
So we get to meet Korra, see how she was first discovered as being the Avatar, and then we kind of fast forward again to see her being trained in some of the different elements before she says, you know, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to learn airbending from Aang's son, Tenzin. Um, but unfortunately, she learns from Tenzin that he is not able to treat, teach her at the moment because he is uh, one of the council members for the um, for Republic City, which is kind of um, this united um, group uh, of the nations that was formed after the Fire Nation colonies um, that the Fire Nation had kind of taken from the Earth Kingdom in the first series. Um, anyway, so Tenzin's like, sorry, things are really tense there in Republic City. I can't train you right now. And he leaves. Uh, and Korra decides that, okay, if he can't come to her to train, then she's going to go to him. And for the rest of the episode, we have Korra going off to Republic City and kind of getting to some shenanigans and finding out everything that is wrong with the city as she uh, gradually connects with Tenzin and he agrees, okay, you can stay and I will train you and you will be the the public servant here in um, Republic City. Mm -hmm. And then the, the second episode is where we get introduced to some of her training as uh, she learns airbending or kind of learns that she's not very good at it. And she also gets introduced to the world of pro bending, um, which is kind of like a mixed martial arts, but for bending team-based sport. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of it's the second episode. Right. Yeah. You can very much. There's so much to talk about the first episode. The second episode could be like, it's the pro bending episode. Yeah. Which I like it. I like it. But it, it definitely doesn't have as much to carry. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, the big thing is it's introducing Mako and Bolin, the uh, the two brothers that are on uh, Korra's team, mm. um, who become integral parts of Team Avatar. Yes, that really is the, the introduction of them. And probending is, for me, it's kind of like the Quidditch. <laughs> oh, 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 definitely. I mean, that's what I was thinking. Um, especially in the way that very early on it's important and then they gradually actually compared to quidditch they dropped this like season two pro bending you liked it too bad it's it's like no longer part of the show yeah they do drop it rather quickly which is somewhat disappointing but understandable mm -hmm. yeah. it, it would have been like no you have to like expand the league it's like pokemon you know as to, to reference one of our you know, more recent podcast, you know, you got to find more leagues. <laughs> no, no, this is uh, where you kind of figure out that there's more important things than sports. Mm. As, as Josh says during March Madness. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that St. Peter's is out, what do we have to root for anymore? Mm -hmm. But, but anyway, um, regardless of how we watched it, TV or internet or, you know, as Josh and, Bill and Alex talk about um, streaming so much, how the line between online and TV and what that even means anymore has been blurred. Um, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, what are your feeling? Did you remember liking the premiere? Um, and how do you feel about it now? I do remember liking the premiere. 
Um, and, and once again, my viewing was a little skewed at that time because I'm pretty sure I did watch the first two episodes together. Um, so, no, I, I remember really enjoying it, being really intrigued with how they were um, taking this world forward. I mean, once again, the technology shift was, I think, one of the things that like blew me away at the time. And at first I wasn't sure what to think, um, but gradually, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, do you, do you remember enjoying it? Um, yeah, I remember the first season in general, uh, being something that I was very, uh, excited for throughout. Um, we'll get a little bit later on, I guess, into the finale because very much unlike Avatar, that is very much an ongoing story. Um, Legend of Korra is, is very segmented and each season has a, a plot, and it's resolved by the end of the season, though there is some overlap in, you know, the, you know what happens in one season causes the conflict in the next season. Right. But it's not just like we got to stop the Fire Nation, which is the overarching plot of Avatar. Yeah. And, and I think that's refreshing. It, it, it dep- Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on what if you like having just one storyline better um or not um it, i i was debating to myself whether i f- it felt like it made the story feel bigger having a new plot every season mm. or somehow smaller like it's almost like like I, you can see as like cora like does so much as the avatar throughout her tenure mm. like like honestly, more than Aang does, just because there she fights so many different villains. Um, no. But there's something about that epic quest of the 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 first. Um, it's like okay, maybe it's one story, but it's told over sixty episodes or sixty one episodes. I think I was reading. Yes, but at the same time. And, and this is in no way like a dig at Avatar. I mean, that Avatar is probably my favorite show of all time or it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, but there is a somewhat, um, I, I don't want to use the word generic, but like a common uh, element there of like, there's like the evil empire and there's like these like small group of like undergunned like rebels of a sorts fighting against it right that you don't have in Korra yeah Korra is definitely they try to inject more uh nuance as, as far as the villains which we get in the, this first episode when they introduce us to the equalist mm-hmm. who are all about uh equality for the um the non-benders of the the world which I I don't know they they never give us the statistic, but I would assume most people in the world of Avatar and Korra are non-benders, and they're sort of this. Um, but the council is all you know, benders. They don't have any representation, you know, nobody to speak for them on the council. So that's immediately you know comes up as sort of a, you know, a point of conflict. Right, right. And I and that's where I think the nuance comes in very quickly. And and once again, not to say that Avatar isn't nuanced because it's it's still covering really heavy topics like like genocide and colonialism. Um 
and you know just the the trauma of war but to have this focus on something like um i i know like at the time i remember it seemed really poignant because of like the um was it the the take back wall street or uh, occupy, occupy wall yes street. yes just it's it's in some ways it kind of dovetailed into that right um and i don't know listening to uh like so sort of the commentary of uh on this first episode i don't think that was necessary i mean they apparently they were working on the show for like four years mm. so it probably wasn't intentional um the same way that they were talking about, like, um, to reference our last podcast, uh, The Hunger Games, um, they sort of, it was interesting, they said that um, there was sort of this, you know, big thing with uh, uh, Hunger Games having, you know, this uh, female protagonist, uh, and then uh, Legend of Korra a month later coming out and, like, having another action show action you know franchise with a female protagonist just happened to happen mm-hmm. at the same time yeah it's just a coincidental but um yeah, yeah. And, and if i could make just one comment about that um and i i think you know we'll probably get more into production later but the the fact that this does feature cora um you know a a, a young woman as the protagonist was something that met with resistance from Nickelodeon at first. Uh, there was some, they did want to kind of focus test it. They were unsure. Um, I, I think they're probably, their fear was like, they didn't want it to be focused as like a girl show. Um, I don't know. Maybe they, they didn't, because it is, it is sort of interesting that, like, they feared that like in, like, a post-Powerpuff Girls, you know, television landscape. Because there were a lot of boys who watched that show. Yeah. I mean, from what I have read, there was this thought of some of the um, executives or maybe the decision makers at Nickelodeon that girls would watch boy shows, but boys would not watch girl shows. But like you said, things like Powerpuff Girls kind of show that's not accurate right yeah um yeah i mean i think if they had maybe i mean yeah this this is still set in the avatar universe now if there was you know unicorns everywhere and you know stuff like that i can make maybe i could see but like this is still set in the avatar universe it's very it just happens to have a female you know, character as the main character. So yeah. like, there's no reason really to think that, you know, it's an action show. Mm. So, so yeah. Um, fortunately they were able to, you know, they, they got the green light. Um, and, and that did not prove to be, you know, I think an issue. Um, they would have production issues later and I think would come down to, you know, either planning or stuff like that. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I know we we kind of mentioned our thoughts originally, um, and I know you said you you've rewatched. I know you told me you watched the the this entire series. Yeah, this is the most I think I prepared for anything that we've done TV wise, just because, um, 
because I, I happened, I got the series as a gift from you a couple years ago. So mm. it's actually a long time coming. Actually, there are other things you have given me that I've not watched yet. That's fair. That's fair. I know I give you a lot of like games and movies and shows. And yeah. that is all a time intensive process to yeah. go through those. It's not like a here, have a candle. Um, yeah. A little different. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely, I guess, have a little better perspective on how things relate season to season since it's fresher. Um, but, yeah, I, I liked this first episode. I still think it's good. Um, again, on, on the commentary, and it's like it's very easy to see. Um, they they did uh, want to contrast Korra and Aang's personality um uh i mean first they're like their thought process like the first thing they came up was like oh okay we'll have it'll be a girl this time and then they were like oh well that's make it you know her personality is like a 180 from ang not to like be like ang was lame like we're fixing it this time (laughs) but like uh it's it's different it'll be a different approach and it is interesting um in in that regard um I think we talked about um, personality-wise, Aang um, is very much like Goku. When we talked about we rewatched Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z, mm. young Goku is very, you know, like sort of sweet and innocent, you know, pure of heart. Um, both fly on air and have a staff. <laughs> true, true. Um, and I find Korra to not to a full extent. But to a large extent, to be closer to a character, at least initially for that, the other character, uh, to be sort of like a character like Naruto, who's sort of like hot-headed and they they know what they want and aren't aren't afraid to like ask for it mm-hmm. or demand for it in some cases, um, but like never to the point of where Naruto is honestly, especially in that like first arc very bratty Mm. like she does have that sort of like teenage rebellious streak but like never like where she is back talking like she does not say things to tenzin the way that like naruto says things to the hokage who's the the leader of the village where he's like listen up gramps like she's never like that Uh, which i remember rereading the manga was very humorous but like uh I feel like would not have worked here. Yeah, I mean, she does definitely have a bit of a tension with Lin Beifong, the chief of police. Right. But that's probably the closest comes to that. Right, yeah. she. Uh, they have sort of a stare down um, in the first episode. But they did. They... Yeah, so I, I think it's... Um, it just, it's, it's a nice... Um, it's a nice change of pace to see sort of like a, d- a different character. Like they, like there was said, Oh, well, there was that temptation to just have like every character be the, uh, the, you know, son or daughter or grandchild of the previous generation. Mm. But they're like, okay, we're, we're going to do a Tenzin. We'll do it with Lynn. But like, we're going to, you know, everybody else will be original for the most part yeah yeah and i appreciate that because that is 
to, I know, to go back to like the Naruto comparison, I haven't read or watched any Boruto, but I know that like pretty much all of it is like these are the kids or this is the kid of so and so and so and so. Yeah, this is the kid of so and so and so. It's like like purely this is the next generation of the people you already know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's literally called next generation, right? But they're always like. I mean, they're pretty much like clones of the last generation. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, design-wise, they're very similar and yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But this this show, Korra, does a really good job of breaking that as, as we go through and say like, Tenzin is not the same as Aang. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just like Korra is not, you know, the same as... I mean, once again, there's no relation there, but uh, but she's not the same as Katara. Like, I, I, one of the reasons why I, I think having... Korra's personality be so different from Aang's is, is works so well is one just for the contrast but two just for breaking some of the gender stereotypes in animation where Korra is not a particularly like like nurturing kind of bubbly warm personality like she's pretty like uh not rude but like She's pretty brusque. Like she's not right. Yeah. She's not you know gonna, um, you know, tiptoe around things. She's she's very kind of yeah go for what she wants. I mean she's still caring and a compassionate person, but um, definitely not like oh like this like caregiver character. Right. Yeah. She's very much. Uh, they allow her to be you know, um, they aren't tied down by like. Well, these are the types of characters that we had in the previous show. Though I, I would say, to an extent, that you already had that a lot with Toph. That's very true. That is true. Um, yeah, there, there's there's some similarities between them and Toph. Uh, Akora is actually a little bit warmer than Toph. I was going to say, Toph is, you know, very much like, yeah, forget your feelings. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm going to use your staff as a nutcracker until you snap. Yeah. Well, that's because her name is Toph, and it sounds like tough. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm sure I figured that out before. No, that's actually a direct quote from uh, the Ember Island players. Oh, okay, okay. But, no, it, it's I, I remember finding it refreshing that Korra had, was allowed to like be her own person. She wasn't a carbon copy of Aang or anyone else, and... Watching it through this time, it just it it strikes me really from the get go of how different they are, and I and I really enjoy it, especially when you see her just like pretty much like egging on like the gangsters of Republic City. Oh yeah, yeah. Ang would probably try to find a peaceful solution, um, but um, or like show them a magic not as they're not magic airbending trick. Yeah. Whereas Korra like throws one guy through a window uh-huh. and like also, you know, slams their car into the side of a building. And part of it is also like she doesn't become Aang, but like she does have to learn that like you can't just throw people through buildings or you get arrested. Yes. Yeah, that is a good lesson I think we all need to learn at times. Um Yeah, I, I uh and I think also, which we haven't really talked about, it's interesting that the age, there's an age difference that, you know, Aang is like 12 when 
that series starts. Mm-hmm. And then Cora, I don't know if, I guess she's implied to be like 16, 17. I don't know how old she's supposed to be. I believe 16. 16. Um, so, you know, she is a teenager. 17. 17, yeah. So, I mean, she's almost an adult. Um, so, just like her attitude is going to be much, you know, regardless of gender, is going to be different from somebody who's five years younger. True. True. And who was raised by monks. <laughs> True. True. Um, but yeah, so th- that was something that having, I, I watched episodes of Avatar sporadically now. Uh-huh. I just rewatch them. And so that, that was something that was pretty, um, pretty apparent, like the difference. Um, I, I will say if, if we're going into a little bit more about the, the premiere, one thing I will say that I, um, not was disappointed in, but I noticed more since having, since I watched it originally with the first two episodes is that there really isn't too, too much action in the first episode. Um, I guess not. It is definitely much setup. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel like that's a fault of it, but like, it's not necessarily the best encapsulation of the show. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's more what I meant because you, you really just get Cora learning about Republic City and just kind of introducing the viewer to what this world looks like now. So a, a lot of the things that come later, like the um, kind of like the political situations, the um, like the epic battles, you know, you, you don't get too much of a flavor for those. Uh, and also just like we mentioned, like the character relationships, because Mako and Bolin don't even uh-huh. come in until the second episode. Right. Um one thing that they they pointed out in the commentary that I thought was interesting and I hadn't considered is that um like kind of the reason why Tenzin and Korra butt heads at times not uh, is because actually Tenzin is more like Korra than he's willing to admit mm. and that's sort of like why he's like he kind of like he set a sort of like comfy life for himself, but like is in some ways sort of like has to, I guess throughout the series come to terms with, I guess his more assertive side or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing is that they both very much view themselves as Aang's legacy, which they both are to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, to I mean, to a large degree, but that does, mean that they're pulled in opposite directions when it comes to you know is is ang's legacy you know ensuring that republic city is successful or is ang's legacy making sure that the next avatar is ready to bring peace and balance to the world right um so yeah um i guess getting a little bit you know they introduce mako and bolin in the second episode um I know you're a pretty big Bolin fan. Bolin for life. No, both I, I, I know Bolin is largely the uh, comic relief uh-huh. in, in a lot of the show, and I, I, I know that's probably the biggest reason why I'm drawn towards him. But I also just find him to be just a really lovable character in that he is very. 
uh, theatric sometimes or dramatic sometimes. And he is also like, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve in a way that I find really endearing. Just uh-huh. like the way that he, um, like, like the, his romance or like his attempted romance with Cora doesn't work, but there, there's this sense of like, Bolin's really in touch with his feelings that I find yeah. really, um, I don't know, that I really appreciate, especially for an earthbender who are typically like these rugged, tough characters. I mean, comparing Bolin with, with Toph, I mean, it's like a huge, like, it uh, is interesting jump. also because you learn that Toph was his hero. Right. But he's nothing like Toph. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and Mako, I'm, I'm a little bit cooler on Mako um, I, 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 I have thoughts on Mako just because I go very much back and forth or like, he'll have scenes where I'm like, you know, Mako's a pretty cool character. And then like, especially with his romance with Korra, I was like, okay, I can see why she would like him because he's cool. But then other times we're just like, what does she see in him? He's so blah. Yeah. He's just like generic, you know, broody, you know, teen action hero. Yeah, which I I guess some people go for, but yeah, I mean he he very much is like if you just got someone like out of like a Amber Crabrey and Fitch advertisement <laughs> and just gave them bending, um, which I mean is it, fine, but like he's just kind of like a, he kind of plays the straight man to Berlin most of the time. Yeah, and I mean he he definitely tries to be cool like with his with his scarf and especially once you get into season two with his like one-liners when he's yeah. like a, a cop right he doesn't do his as best as arnold you know ice to meet you or <laughs> stick around or anything like that yeah the but, knife in the chest yeah I, honestly the thing that i appreciate most about bolin uh, or the two things i appreciate most about him bolin are, or Ma- i mean sorry mako um well our mako and bolin's relationship i really oh yeah i really enjoy their relationship with one another um you know i feel like it's as this you know these siblings with different um different elements that they can bend it's it's very unique within the world of avatar but it's also i think it, i don't know there, there's something really special about that connection um so that's one thing i really enjoy about mako uh, which kind of relates to bowen still but the other, <laughs> but the other thing is just and this is you know really simple but just like mako being a, like his namesake like being like mako is named after the actor who voiced uh uncle iroh in the original series oh, okay i wasn't sure if i ever like I, I was like oh that's the same but i didn't i didn't know it was intentional it was yeah so the the actor mako voiced uncle iroh in avatar last airbender and he unfortunately passed away um while the series was still ongoing and yeah Mako from Korra is is named in honor of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you uh, Mako was also uh, the voice of Aku in Samurai Jack, and he is uh, also makes an appearance in uh, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Barna- Barbarian. So oh. yeah, so he's he uh, he was around. Oh, and he he did the voice uh, the narrator at the end of the uh, credits for Dexter's Lab. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he was definitely, you know, in, in you know places you just had to to look for him. Maybe, uh, yeah. I um, 
I do like Bolin. I know some people... I mean, and I think maybe early on thought he was kind of like Sokka light. I think that that has been thrown around. But um, in terms of like the comic relief. Um, but no, I mean, I, I like Bolin as a character. Um, I guess uh, going into... So you and I were having this conversation before we recorded. Who is part of Team Avatar? So definitely, you know, Korra, Mako, and Bolin are part of Team Avatar. And then the next character we were going to talk about, Asami, she's definitely part of Team Avatar. But is anybody else part of Team Avatar? Would you consider Tenzin to be part of Team Avatar? Yeah, I would consider Tenzin. Tenzin and uh, Lin. Ooh, I don't think... Lin disappears for periods of time. Yeah, I wouldn't consider her to be Team Avatar. She's like a, an associate of Team Avatar. Um, Pabu. Oh, I mean, Pabu. He's Pabu, like... his the little fire ferret that Josh, I'm sure, just kind of like. Oh, man. When I went to Mall of America in, in Minnesota, they have this whole like Nickelodeon world thing. And they had like Appa plushies and Pabu plushies and Naga plushies. Uh, Naga being cora's polar bear dog yeah um and oh man i thought i was gonna buy the entire set <laughs> i didn't i i had a restraint and, yeah. and partly that is because uh i'm not allowed to buy um plushies for my wife anymore i i got a ban on that after like a single year in our relationship oh okay i didn't know that i bought too many okay. in the first year <laughs> okay um but yeah so the um as i mentioned asami is um, the fourth member of Team Avatar, who's introduced a little bit later. Um, she's really interesting because there there were definitely directions that they they want to put her in um, that I think they, they definitely changed their mind, the writers. Um, at first, they have this choice that they have to make is, you know, because her, we later learn her father is the mastermind behind all these equalist machines, whether or not she is going to join him or she's going to stay with team avatar. And then she joins, she stays with team avatar. But like, it's interesting that they had that choice that they, they could have had her be this foil kind of to, um, to Cora, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and they chose not to go that direction, uh, which I think either would have been valid but like I do, considering I do like a lot of the things that they do with her later on, um, and especially like her being the tech person gets them out of a lot of jams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, sp- uh, speaking of Dragon Ball, um, a character that again I saw a lot of parallels to is she has a lot of parallels, or maybe not a lot, but some parallels to Bulma, and that mm-hmm. her father is like this genius inventor that you know she also is very talented with machines and that she builds things that helps the group. That's a good comparison. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, She's not nearly as bratty as Bulma. No, no. I, I really like Asami. I think when, when Asami is, is introduced, I feel like they, you, you're right. They didn't really have too much plan with her other than, you know, oh, she has this like really tough decision to make of is she going to be loyal to her father? Is she going to be loyal to her friends? But I feel like 
they do so much with her over time and use her in ways that I think really work um, that it, it, it's funny. I remember at first thinking like, well, she and Mako are both very pretty to look at, but they don't really do anything. And then come like the second book and then like the third book and the fourth, I was like, wow, Asami can do all these awesome things. She's great. Mm-hmm. And oh. Mako's still pretty to look at. <laughs> yeah. um, so I feel like Asami, you know, she she does so much. And like, as like the tech person, I think she is a really wonderful um you know representation of even in this universe where bending is shown to be this ultimate power that people with intelligence and skill and and craftsmanship can also be a force to be reckoned with right and it's it's very much the inverse of the the equalists who use the technology you know for i mean what they think is good for for you know you know deviant purposes and she uses it you know you know to help people and stuff like that also she's a fantastic driver and like anytime she's like driving like their getaway car i mean i don't know do good guys drive getaway cars is that the i mean that's a good question getaway usually implies you've done something wrong yeah um when she's driving her satomobile named after her her father um or her father's company yeah it's it's i don't know she's so cool she also can do some of the the cheap blocking martial arts right um no she's she's just so cool mm-hmm. um so yeah she's i think the the secret weapon of team avatar mm-hmm. uh so yeah, I mean, uh, I, I we, we talk. There's the problem with talking about this show is they just kept introducing more and more characters. So it's like, what do you talk about? It's like there's just so much to talk about. Like, um, well, do you have any like of the characters we haven't mentioned yet? Do you have any favorites? Um, Kai. No, Kai. <laughs> Kai is okay. He's good. I will say, and, and once again, this this is maybe just my own love of comic relief i love varick oh yeah varick that he's the big one uh he's very I, much like the m- manic howard hughes from the the southern water tribe who builds things yeah. who's also not evil but does very bad things in the beginning yeah yeah i i love how and then he, la- later he's like you know i own that building it's not illegal to blow up your own building <laughs> Yeah, he definitely has like a Howard Hughes kind of twisted Tony Stark thing going yeah. on, um, because he's so eccentric. Um, and he, but I also just love how he like he plays on that eccentricity so mm-hmm. that people underestimate him. Um, I think one of my f- favorite moments from the show is when he's hiding in the um, the platypus bear. Um, oh yeah, taxidermy. And in order to, like, have a distraction, like, he has, like, money come, like, out of, oh, yeah. like, the, yeah. the, the platypus bears. And everyone just starts freaking out. It's like, that platypus bear's pooping money. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just really. Also, just Julie and his relationship his, with her. Yeah. Julie being assistant, later turned uh, wife somehow. Yeah. I, I didn't necessarily buy that as much, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I, I guess I, I feel like we should get into the villains a little bit, but I did uh, part of the first season. 
and I think that kind of drags down the first season is there's a lot of relationship drama that I, I, I like that. I like a little bit of that, especially if it's in terms of comedy, like the, um, the, the episode where like Cora goes out with Bolin and then like he later finds out that she's interested in Mako and he's just like all cry face. And, oh, I love that so much. Um, but like, they, I think they pushed the love triangle a little too much with Korra, Mako, and Asami. Okay. That, like, I think it was fine to have, but it was just so ever-present in that season that it was just like, okay, I'm done with this. This only needed to happen in, like, one episode and should have been resolved. No, I, I totally agree. That is, I think, the weakest element of the first book. Though there are moments that I still love in that mm-hmm. like um um when uh cora is uh they they go to air temple island mm-hmm. and then uh i'm trying to think iki iki yeah she just says to to asami to asami hey asami you know that cora likes mako and then there's just like uh this like background of like a thunderbolt going behind Korra and like her face is like shocked is is that that was great i laugh so hard every time i watch that yeah I, sometimes i like will rewatch the series or yeah. the episode just for that one part yeah that part was is hilarious so even though i didn't care for it as as much as you know other stuff um but yeah um I mean, as far as like other relationships, I mean, you, the big thing is later you do find out, um, and it's definitely not like, um, something, at least I I never got the impression that it was something that was planned until the season three at the earliest that they were going to have Korra and Asami end up together. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's definitely those, those, those sort of like, uh, hints in, in season three that was like, Oh, Okay. I think they're going this direction. Yeah. I mean, I think there are moments in season one where it's built on more like their friendship. It's like, oh, like, look, they should be rivals. Oh, wait, they're actually friends and they respect each other. Uh I agree. The romance didn't get built until later. And I think part of that is um, fan reaction, uh, shipping. Uh What do you think that? Um, they just tried to see if Korra and Maka would work, and then people were like, we don't care about this, so they kind of just jettisoned it. I don't know if that's what happened, but I do get the sense that that is what happened. I mean, probably, you know, once again, we're talking about some of, like, the weaker elements of this show. Season two, or or book two, I I think the thing that annoys me the most about that is the whole, like, Mako and Korra relationship drama. I mean, it has, like, the most dramatic breakup ever where she, like, kicks his desk, like, like clear across the room. That is pretty good. Um, but, no, I, I don't know. The, that relationship just never... I liked how it ended, in. though, because, no. like, even though maybe we didn't completely buy it, like, they still, like, they still love each other, but, like, they realize that they don't work together. Yeah. But, like, I kind of like the, like... Like maybe you can love somebody, but it just being in a relationship just isn't the best for that. Yeah. Oh, I agree, and I and I appreciate it also in the sense of bucking the the trope of so many movies and shows of like um, 
oh like these people like started like dating when they were like teenagers or kids and yet that's that's it that's the only relationship they ever had um whereas like no like Cora goes through different relationships in her life um and as she matures gets a better sense of what she wants and what she needs in a relationship mm-hmm. um no just i know it, i i know like people have some pretty intense shipping opinions from avatar uh i personally just am cool with katang uh oh, okay katang yeah katara and ang uh, those people that wanted zuko and katara yeah um there were people there were i think there are people who were convinced up until they uh said who lynn and her sister sue right yeah. her parents were that Sokka was their father yeah yeah no what wouldn't have worked out given that uh lynn and tenzin dated for a while yeah um yeah i i know i i appreciate that they allow like relationships to to grow and to change in this um as you see with yeah like cora and, and mako drifting apart but then cora gradually getting closer and closer to asami before finally um they end up together in the the series finale mm-hmm. yeah um one uh relationship that i i always really liked was uh bolin and opal it mm. just was just very wholesome um oh, but yeah. i i like the part where he has to win her back in the second or no the uh fourth season because he uh decides to help a, a dictator <laughs> <laughs> in the time he didn't know at the time she was kuvira was as bad you know, she was very charismatic. You know, yeah. she she's a good public speaker. Yeah. Um, uh, she's voiced by Zelda Williams. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I always liked that relationship, and again, I always liked how like very genuine Bolin was. It, well, early on, he tries to like kind of act cool, and then she's like, "No, just be yourself." So he's very genuine. Yeah. There's this moment where at the end, uh. Uh, when they rescue the airbenders at the end of season three, where uh, Sue, her mom, hugs her, and then Fallen just comes in and shoves her off the <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah, no. Good, yeah, Bolin. Love, love Bolin. Love Pabu. Uh, really love in the, the going back to like um, the early parts when he and uh, Pabu um, are like eating like ramen out of like despair because he found out that cord likes mako yeah. and like he and pabu like eat so much or pabu eats so much ramen that pabu is like as round as like a bowling ball <laughs> and like has to drag himself across the floor <laughs> yeah uh uh-huh. that's a small thing but i right I love um that. i guess as far as like the the seasons and villains where do you like rank? We we talked about the equalists sort of in their cause, which is is very understandable, like mm-hmm. w- what they're after. Um, but like, do you do you have like a favorite villain or season? Because I still think the first season, even though I was honestly, and I didn't really like the reveal how they like they say this is what Amon's backstory is. I just didn't really like it. It just felt. I, don't know, I just didn't work for me for some reason. Like it, it worked better this time having knowing it, what it was, mm-hmm. but I was just like the first time I was like, no, that's lame. Um, no. But 
I still think the first season is is the strongest season. Mm. Um, it's 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 the shortest season by an episode. It it's twelve episodes. Then the the next season is fourteen episodes, which I think hurts it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, then the last two are both thirteen episodes. No. Um, but as far as like who's the best villain, it's I don't know. It's it might be a tie between Aman and Zahir. Zahir is 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 just so intimidating. I some of his sort of like setup is a little hard to believe that he would be a master of airbending after just having read about it, but he is just sort of he is so like terrifyingly precise in like everything that he does. And his fight scene with Korra is just breathtaking <laughs> at the end of the season. It's funny you say breathtaking. Oh, yeah, because... And, and one of the moments that I think if you, parents were watching this with their kids, they're probably like, you're not watching the show anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, when, yeah, when he, like, bends the breath out of the Earth Queen, I was, like, so shocked. I, like couldn't believe what was going on right yeah i mean uh, apparently i've seen different sources of this show's either rated uh, you know tvy you know fantasy violence or tv pg but, but regardless for it to be on you know you know nickelodeon you know in the morning or just on nick.com is that that like i feel like avatar never really went there like i think there you did mention like stuff with the airbenders, like in third episode, Ang finds that like his childhood guardian, like just finds his skeleton and like the skeletons of all the other airbenders. That's, that's really dark, but like, I don't know for some, I think this series is a little more mature. I would say probably I'd say the closest that avatar gets to that level of, uh, I don't know if violence is the right word, but like that, that graphicness is bloodbending. Yeah. Bloodbending. And then that later, later ties into the episode where Katara tries to find the, the, the raider, the Southern raider who killed her mother. That's a dark episode. So yeah. That's like the darkest episode in the show. Yeah. Yeah. You get this like eternally hopeful, like optimistic character and make her like on a blood path. Yeah. Um, but no, going back to your question about the, the villains, I, I, I do think it would have been more interesting if Amon wasn't like it wasn't revealed that he was uh, a waterbender. I feel like that that is a little disappointing um, because it just kind of like took away some of the mystery of like how can he do this? Right. I was really hoping that the he mentioned that he got his gift from the spirits, so I was hoping that that like apparent like he got his gifts from the spirits because like the world was out of balance or something like that. Yeah. Um, but like he went AWOL or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, uh, it is interesting because like I see opportunities where like I like all the seasons. I'm curious to like, because like this is the first one is book, uh, book one is air yeah so it's very much like what if this had just been one 20 episode long season Mm -hmm. and like they 
kind of incorporated all of the ideas of like the first two seasons into one season could that have worked uh potentially Potentially. I mean, uh, I mean, again, uh, one of the big differences is that Legend of Korra is just so much more serialized than um, Avatar. Avatar has so many episodes that are just these little journeys they have, and then they move on to the next. Yeah. Um, very much more like a traditional, uh, uh, traditional animated show. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you. I think you texted me some or sent me a link i think when uh season two was going on where this this like a writer for some site was saying that like legend of korra was like the first animated drama like on tv which is like completely false (laughs) because like they're completely ignoring uh like anime like anime like so if they mean on american television then like i kind of see what they mean um though you even like you you got shows like uh batman the animated series that were like considered so like adult for a, a kid's show that like they tried to put it on prime time because they're like like it's it it's at that level mm-hmm. so like i i kind of don't exactly buy it but like it there is like a clear like it's a it's just written more like an adult, like the characters are older. It's more serialized. It's not like an adventure of the, the week kind of, uh, mm-hmm. structure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, it's, it's interesting. Like back to your question of like, if they could like combine the first two books, I, I mean, mean, not like complete, just co- combine the ideas. Yeah. I mean, book two is definitely the weakest in my opinion. And partly because I think, at times they i i think they they veer on making Korra unlikable right um you see i i that's what i how i felt when i watched that season um but like i didn't feel it as much the second time around i'd just be like it's very understandable because like she feels like she's being lied to she's like nobody is listening to her um and stuff like that so like i i got it like yeah. i can see while like people had the same problem with, you know, Anakin in, in star Wars. It's like, he's just so whiny, but like, I, I, I didn't upon second, you know, watch, I didn't think it was, it was that bad. I mean, it does give us the, the origin episode where it explains Juan, the first avatar, which I I think is, you know, a really cool story. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, some stuff with season two is like, and even just like the later seasons, like they always talk about balance and they kind of fall again to mention Star Wars. They kind of fall into the trap of like, well, what does balance even really mean? Like, is it like light and dark 50 50 or is it like light winning? Yeah. Like, like what, what does that mean? And like, you don't really get like a good answer. So it's like it's almost like. Maybe don't don't mention balance, <laughs> right? Maybe peace is a better peace, word. Yeah, um, yeah. I no, and and for the record, I I don't think Cora ever becomes unlikable. Um, I think my my problem is that at one point she's mean to Tenzin, and I get upset about that. Oh, okay. Um, which I can't believe I haven't talked more about Tenzin because Tenzin is like phenomenal, voiced by J.K. Simmons. I you mentioned earlier like you couldn't believe they got 
even where he's saints. Yeah. I can't believe they got J.K. Simmons. Well, I mean, he he. I feel like he had done voice acting in the past. I could be wrong. I feel like this was not his first uh, voice acting rodeo. No, no. But I mean, J.K. Simmons is a Hollywood actor. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's also a commercial actor, but he. I don't know. He's his range is amazing. Like for him to do like J. Jonah Jameson and to him to do Tenzin, two very different characters. Yeah. And then I know he's um the the father in um the Amazon Prime superhero show. Uh, yeah, Invincible. Invincible. Um, and you know, and, and so many uh, other things. Oh, Tenzin is or not Tenzin? Sorry. Uh, J.K. Simmons is in uh, Zootopia as the 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 mayor lionheart uh-huh. uh like jk simmons i think is a just a phenomenal actor i know uh-huh. he didn't win the academy award recently that he was nominated for um but i would give him all the awards because i think he's just amazing um right anyway um but no i don't think Cora's is likable i just get mad at her for being mean to tenzin uh-huh. um although that does get to the point where tenzin gets to meet the baby sky bison which mm-hmm. is probably one of like the cutest thing i've ever seen in my life yeah the um, blueberry spice head blueberry spice head was he trying to find Junor or Iki? Iki. okay i figured that's a that's very Iki. um even though i said that this show is very like if for me it feels a little more mature definitely the the kid his son um milo milo is like that's for the little kids milo is one of the other things about the show that i don't like he's he's very much like a wild child well, like a wild child, like like fart booger joke waiting to happen at all times. He's like the Phil and Lil. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, but for I guess that was for a show that was aimed at a, a younger audience. This is for a show that has, you know, a pretty wide audience. You have people who are like us who were in college watching. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but to to go back to your question, so. I, I was a little disappointed that Amon ended up being a waterbender, but I do appreciate that they leaned into the the villains of the first two books being waterbenders after we got so much of, like, the Fire Nation is evil, the Fire Nation is evil. Right. It was really good to break that up and right. have what had previously been the good guys um, swapped. Um, so Amon is still one of the top one. I agree that him he, and Sabir I mean, are my he, favorites. He has, uh, was it uh, Steve Bloom? Ah. His his voice. Steve Bloom, famous for many things, including being the voice of Tom on Toonami. And uh, he was a spike in Cowboy Bebop, right? Yeah. And he was also the voice of Orochimaru in Naruto. Yeah, so just so, so many different things. He's a living legend. He, yeah. He's amazing. Um, and he just gives so much, like, gravitas and menace yeah. to, to yeah. Amon. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, uh, I think Kuvira is also, like, very... Uh, a very good villain it's like she's very cold and calculating in uh-huh. a way that i think is uh she's she's almost like terminator-esque in the way she uh-huh. like goes about things and so like when you see her break down it's like kind of terrifying uh-huh. similar to similar to azola from the original series right she doesn't have as big a, a breakdown but like you can definitely see where she's a little unhinged um again with azula they're like well if her hair is messy <laughs> <laughs> hey I, let me tell you Having read some of the Avatar books, hair is very important in the Fire Nation culture. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. That's why it's important when Iroh and, and Zuko cut off their top knot. Right, yeah. Um Yeah. Uh, no, the the her uncle, uh Korra's uncle, 
as the villain in, in book two. Um, he's okay. He was so unpopular that when they had the recap episode, they had the other main villain. They had so they had Amon, Zahir, and Vatu, who was the spirit introduced in the middle of that season, all on a phone call together, and then, uh, Unalak, uh, is trying to call and is like, "Hey, I want to be on this call too," and is like, "Oh no, it's <laughs> it's Unalak." I so having a clip show is is always kind of disappointing. Apparently it had to do with just like the production yeah. like and and apparently just like part of uh the reason I think the show wasn't as successful as Avatar in terms of like Avatar like was like really successful in terms of viewership but I I think is they took too long to release season two it was like 18 months apparently because i remember i was watching um season one when i was in sophomore year and i was watching season two when i was in senior year Mm. um so and just the fact that that storyline in season two wasn't as popular um so nickelodeon was like at some point they're like we're just going to release season three and four are going to be on nick.com and i think they really did a disservice to such a like a you know artful show this is so well done like maybe the planning like apparently josh was telling me like they were working on season two like like post-production of that the same time they were like recording lines for season four or something like that yeah no they they were doing while there was just there was too much crunch yeah while they were doing production of season three they were also doing post for season two and pre for season four so they was just um there's just yeah i mean it, it it is unfortunate and i think for their to their credit i think that it turned out you know very well i think at the time um i was kind of disappointed with it um but like having watched this show like basically every night for like (laughs) almost two months um it's just a very easy show to be like okay i watched an episode of this and it's like yeah this is entertaining maybe if you know from a week to week you know uh, basis, I, I might still be a little more disappointed with some of the, the outcomes of the episodes, but like, I don't know, that might have just been like what I wanted from a story when I was that age was, was a little bit different now. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I mean, I think I was warmer on the show back when it came out uh, than you were. Um, and I mean, one, one other thing I think that has never been fully confirmed as being one of the reasons why the show shifted from Nickelodeon to uh, Nick.com was the fact that um, several episodes from book three got leaked online. Oh yeah. I remember there was like this whole trailer to people like that can't be real. And then they're like, Oh, oh it's like, Oh, it's real. Yeah. So I was like, and, 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 and just like the whole thing with season three was like, there are new airbenders. You're like, wait, are you serious? There's new airbenders yeah yeah so that like they like then had to like speed up the release that's that's really unfortunate yeah um, so i i blame most of that on on nickelodeon because i think they it, it very out. much got to compare it to a show that is not for kids 
it very much got the Hannibal treatment. Oh, totally. It, I think that's a great a, a, a show that was very good and just was not supported by Hannibal ended up, you know, finishing its its run, you know, on like some like sub channel. It was called like Cozy TV or something, mm. which is not a cozy show. You should not watch it if you're feeling cozy. <laughs> um, and there was like, oh, this didn't do well. It was like, yeah, you. it was being played during the NBA finals. What do you expect? Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the other things that I think did why Nickelodeon didn't have success with Cora is because I don't think they they I think their release was all wrong because it they were releasing the the episodes for the first two books, at least on like Friday nights or Saturday. Nights? It was Saturday. No, it was, uh, the first one was Saturday mornings. Saturday morning. OK. So that makes sense. But then they shifted to like Friday or Saturday. No, nights. I believe second season was a Friday night. Yeah. Which is like I, I, I I'm, I'm Friday night actually, because I I don't think necessarily Friday nights is bad for for cartoons because that's actually was something, um, cartoon cartoon Fridays on on Cartoon Network was something that was always really big for them, but they had a whole block around it. I always felt like, and I can't remember exactly what this what was surrounding Cora in terms of the other programs, but I didn't feel like they, they put it in a, like a good block. Like it really like if to my knowledge, Nickelodeon didn't have like a, a Saturday morning lineup. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was smack in the middle of, you know, like 11 o'clock, but it, it, it didn't have like, these are the shows that you want to watch Saturday morning. I was like, I, I either thought that it needed to have like a, you know, a Saturday morning block like so many of these other, you know, uh, broadcast channels did mm-hmm. like the Fox box <laughs> or, or like have like an action block yeah. where you could have had like legend of Korra and you could have had Ninja Turtles, which they had at the time. Yeah. And I think they had, uh, 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 power Rangers, Mm. And then, like the fourth show, I don't know. They could even just put a, a rerun of Avatar, yeah, and like like just a two hour block of action shows. I think would have helped it. Yeah, don't don't quote me on this, but what I think they ended up doing was I think they first um, would air the the previous week's episode of Korra, then they would show the new episode, and I think right after that they went to Nick at Night. Oh, on the second season. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So I I think that was just a massive misfire because you're, you're right for 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 kids television, um, Friday night is is a is a fairly good block, but for adult television it's terrible. It's it's known as like it's a death slot. It's a death slot. That's why and and like um, because like it is that. a more mature show. Yeah. Um, like eleven, I I feel like yeah, eleven, especially like if you have older people, like that's not a hard ask to get up at eleven. Yeah. Yeah. But and, and because the audience for this, yeah, it was, um, you know, more mature, like, you know, people who grew up watching the original show, um, but also still like a wide range. Like it, it still had that appeal to, to kids as well as adults. I think just that was a it was a bad time slot for it. And I feel like the, the other thing I read is that um, Nickelodeon just didn't advertise it very well, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. Um, so I think there's there's a variety of reasons, and and once again I I think Nickelodeon, 
even though it's never been confirmed i think they freaked out when there was that leak uh-huh. um and on top of like the ratings not being great for season two i think that just is why they they pulled the plug and shifted it all to um online but i know uh, it's it's one of the things that really frustrates me um because previously nickelodeon had been such a big supporter of them and then it's kind of like twisted yeah and, and and that's why i'm so shocked that nickelodeon um and like cbs viacom is going back and now it's like, not it's just paramount now it's just, oh, it's paramount. just paramount okay so paramount is going back and um really deciding to like double down into avatar and like create this whole avatar verse um i think they probably looked at the numbers on netflix for both shows well that's that's what people have said they said like the the resurgence on netflix really like kick them in the pants and they said we got to do this um but you'll you'll soon only be able to watch it on paramount plus you know paramount plus i'm not here to like it's trash a mountain on of possibilities or it's, whatever the last time i used it it was broken i just kept getting ads for clifford the big red dog and all i saw was a black screen with like random fake dog noises in the background. <laughs> um i don't know uh so what do you what is your feel are you i i know you and i had very different reactions to how we felt about this is so they're essentially launching this avatar studios and they're going to have a bunch of new projects sent set in the world of avatar yes so yes. you were very excited i am very excited um and and part of that is because I, I mean I I tend to go towards like the fanboy side of things, and I do like uh, intellectual properties like being milk for all their worth. Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean right now I I have my Avatar water bottle next to me, and I'm wearing my my Legend of Korra socks. So I'm uh-huh. clearly uh, a know, shill. Maybe <laughs> no. maybe. Um, no, I. I I am very excited for it just because I think there's a lot that can be told in that universe. And I think that so far the storytelling has been so strong that it, it gives me uh, hope that, that, that level of quality can continue. I mean, I, I also within the last year have read the two uh, Kiyoshi uh, young adult novels that they released. Um, and I was uh, very, very satisfied with those. I, I think um, they did a great job exploring the world uh, prior to the first series. And um, I, I think Kiyoshi had always been like a fan favorite, even though we didn't get so much of her. Um, and it was really great to see her in her, uh, like her prime. Um, and so now actually they recently announced that they're going to release a, a third book, not on Kiyoshi, but on the uh, the air avatar uh, two before her, uh, Yang Chen. Uh, okay yeah uh which we um i think she actually showed there was this weird like um online game that took place between book two and three of avatar i think she was part of it oh where like ang was trapped in the spirit world because he you know got zapped by azula when he was in the avatar state but like he at the end of it he was not supposed to remember anything so it's like it's okay if you didn't play the game so but like still play the game (laughs) (laughs) Man, I remember when that was the thing they would always do. I feel like Cartoon Network did that more than Nickelodeon, but uh-huh. um, but no, I 
I'm I'm excited for the the for Avatar Studios if they can keep up the quality and honestly I'm I'm much more excited about that than Netflix's live action uh, remake of Avatar because I feel like I mean we we've been there yeah I mean like and like what are you going to add that we already haven't seen I mean we we already tried having a live action Avatar with M. Night Shyamalan and it sucked. Like, I don't need it again. Yeah, I'm not even convinced that he was necessarily the problem. I mean, he probably had some bad ideas, but oh. I'm not convinced that he was the only problem. The The only things that I will say that the Netflix Avatar um, live action gives me hope for is that they are actually um, casting um, uh, people of Asian descent. Um, so they're actually like representing the culture's that are depicted or, or that the, the, the cultures from the show are based uh-huh. on. Um, and I'm pretty sure fire Lord Ozai is Daniel day Kim. Yeah. From Daniel day Kim from, uh, if anybody watched five, five Oh or lost, or he was also Johnny Gat in the, uh, saints row games. Yeah. And he was also the father in Ryan, the last dragon. Um, and he was he was the father. He's Asami's father in this. Oh, that's right. Daniel Lee Kim's amazing. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, Daniel, if you're listening, come Jin, on Jin, Jin was one of my favorite characters on Lost. Oh, so good. Um, but no, so I I, I want to see new stories though. Like I, I am not interested in seeing the same stories again. I want to see different avatars. I want to see uh-huh. people doing other things in the universe. You are not as sold on that. Uh, I I'm just not a a big fan personally of kind of franchises just kind of being things that just continue indefinitely i like things to just end um i think that it's the the story is more important than the world that it's set in Mm. um i mean personally this is probably controversial to say like if they had just finished you know star wars after the prequels um you know you know 2005 i would have been okay with that you know i know if people love you know the mandalorian and that's fine too um i but um yeah i'm just not convinced that um because i i do have a very heavy franchise fatigue but i mean hey if i don't have paramount plus i don't have to watch it i mean there's that yeah i mean uh and 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 just because i i've seen what's happened to some of these other franchises that have been milk dry and have not been good like um um harry potter even though that had such a phenomenal ending what they're doing with it now with the fantastic beast uh, uh movies uh. um when you look at you know something other franchises like alien which are like not even sure why they're still making movies out of that yeah um yeah, talk about diminishing returns uh, you know terminator jurassic park is just like I, i've i've just seen it too many times where the, a, a franchise that should have ended continues to go on and, and that's fair and um i i think you're right in that more often than not it doesn't work out um at the same time I, I am a strong defender of the Star Wars sequel movies. Uh, love Ray, love love Poe and Finn, love BB-8. Um, I 
I don't know. I'm trying to think what this could be, what this could work as. Like, like what would be a good comparison if it works well? Knowing that they, I think you're right that the most of these kind of franchises I mean, don't yeah, work. I think that... Um, like an MCU, maybe? Yeah, I... I'm not going to, like, flat out write it off and say, oh, it won't be good. It's just, like, I personally, what I want out of entertainment is different. So I probably won't be watching, but, you know, better to have a, you know, a good show or, you know, movies, I think they were announced, than it just to be bad. So hopefully it's good. Yeah. And and once again, I'm I'm hopeful that'll be good knowing that, everything that has been produced has been produced so far has been um pretty good like i i haven't read any of the the comics or graphic novels did you ever read the one that explained what happened to zuko's mom no i still haven't read that the, the joke that they made at the beginning of legend Korra when iki was asking whatever happened to zuko's mom oh yeah janora was asking oh janora asked iki interrupted oh okay um, yeah yeah maybe maybe i'll borrow those from you yeah, um, you can finally find out. Yeah, uh, no, I no, I I've heard good things about those. I really enjoyed the 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 books. I've read uh, Legend of Legend Core has some uh, some comics. It does, yeah, and I'm also interested in those. So kn- knowing that I've heard good things about those gives me hope. Uh-huh. I will say, it does give me a little bit of a flashback to like the. Um, was it like the extended universe for like Star Wars uh, or expanded universe for Star Wars? Oh, and, yeah. And then like, look at all these books. Look at all these books. Look at all this stuff. And then, wait, we're going to make new shows uh, or new movies. Uh, forget all the books. The books don't count. We don't, uh, yeah. we don't care about the comics anymore. Oh, uh, yeah. That would be interesting if they, they're like, well, the book or the comic said in this. They're like, yeah, but how many people read it? Yeah. I mean, I hope they don't do that. Um, I feel like they, considering that the creators were pretty involved in those comics, I think like they won't contradict them. I think you're right. Um, and but I I will say I do like the idea of just enriching that world with more stories and just kind of seeing where else you can go with it. But no, I uh, to your point, I also can understand, you know, franchise fatigue, and I think. I mean, I think you you listed very good examples of things that really should have just been let alone and really um, just moved on from, like especially like Harry Potter. Like, if if anybody watches, you know, the new Fantastic Beasts movies, I think you deserve like a Nobel Peace Prize because <laughs> um, you could not pay me enough to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, um, but. I guess as, as far as it concerns uh, Legend of Korra, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, you you mentioned your love of Bolin. Uh, you we briefly touched on Movers. You love him as the uh, hero of the South, Nuttuck. Nuttuck. <laughs> that was uh, the brainchild of Varric. Yeah. His sort of propaganda piece against the uh, the Northern Tribe as they waged war against the South. Yeah. Man, just even that, like, just, like including like the idea of propaganda in this kind of show, I think is so smart and mature. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, no, I I really really love this show. I, I I haven't watched as many times as I watched Avatar, but I still have a a very um a very fond 
memory of watching it and uh you know a still a a desire to stay in that world because i think like all um enduring shows and, and I, I go back to like the like the marvel movies it's the strength of the characters that bring me back because i i just want to spend time with these characters because i like them so much and i find them so um just like like f- like visiting old friends to come back to mm-hmm. uh and then just on top of that one, one thing we haven't talked too much about but that i think is is worth mentioning is like the i think the animation for this is gorgeous mm-hmm. oh yeah um i mean this the the action in this um compare especially compared to some other action shows uh it, it's hard to classify this as an anime um some people consider anime a style a style now where it anime is sort of a shortening of the word japanimation so and this was actually i believe the studio was korean so uh who did the animation for this and the writers were american so i mean i I guess that's up to you um but either way i mean with some some of those you know other action shows you know the fight scenes especially shows that are based off of manga where like they have to fill for time it was like oh i gotta power up oh we gotta talk for 20 minutes like like the 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 fight scenes of this are just you know they're short and sweet they're really well choreographed um the people who animated it like they just they know how to compose an action scene so like you can follow what's going on and stuff like that yeah it's just it's it's really top notch yeah and and i part of the reason is because that they they saw the state of like action animation and were not happy with it yeah um actually i've i've been listening to the braving the elements podcast where they um have been recapping avatar and eventually are going to get into Korra. um and they talked about how they brought in consultants to to like show people the martial arts that each of the bending was based on and actually had the animators at least for uh, avatar like do the moves like they had them like practicing that so that they that's could... intimidating <laughs> i would have imagined as an animator yeah no but they they wanted them to like they said like if you know what it feels like you'll be able to animate it better mm-hmm. so i don't know if they did that with studio mirror who did uh the majority of cora uh and as you said is a, is a south korean animation um studio but there's I, I think there's such a level of intricacy and detail in everything like lo- looking back at some other things i i remember like when dragon ball like super came out and like people were like nitpicking not nitpicking but like pointing out like all the really terrible like lazy animation that was going on like th- this is a show that is like so like so much work and efforts put into it mm-hmm. um you know it's it's not like that uh you know that once again referencing something i referenced last month uh like that like poorly animated pikachu in the background face the only thing that i will say criticism wise is i did feel like republic city never really felt like a fully fledged city that it didn't feel populated enough but i think they probably just didn't have the budget for that back uh like making crowds is can be kind of actually difficult to to do i mean when we talked about uh uh the punchback of Notre Dame, like, like th- that was a huge part of that movie was making like these computer generated crowds because mm-hmm. they wanted, but like, uh, uh, for a show to have that kind of budget, probably, yeah, to have you know, 
you know, thousands of characters walking around the city. It's just like they probably didn't have the budget for that. So I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I do get that. I think that's a, a good point. And, and I think partly that is, um, I think an adjustment from, from Avatar because most of the time they are traveling between like sparsely populated, populated areas. Um, so that maybe was something they didn't really account for as much also is, is, you know, being in a big populated city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that, that, that's, that's, that's very much, you know, a minor gripe. Um, I, I, like I said, the, the animation and the choreography is, is very top notch in the show. Yeah. I also say the voice acting. Um, the voice acting is great. Uh, Janet Varney, who does Cora, is is excellent. I think she's, I think she even outshines uh, J.K. Simmons as the the best performance. Yeah. Just so consistent and able to deliver such a wide range of emotion. Yeah, and it's and it's funny because once again, I've been listening to the 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 Avatar podcast that she hosts with with Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko, in the original series, and. Janet Varney in real life seems like such a like warm, like loving. Oh yeah, kind definitely. Person. Yeah, that they got that like sort of sense from the the the, the commentary, and like she, apparently like she's very like unlike uh, Cora. She was like, oh yeah, I was at like the craft store when I got heard that I got this this Cora part, yeah. and it's just like I was like, oh, Cora would never do that. I said, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Jan- Janet Varney was definitely playing against her own personality, yeah. but she does it so well. Um, yeah. Also, she just seems like a lovely person. Yeah. I would love to meet her. I, yeah. Maybe I, I need to go to a Comic Con yeah, and meet maybe. her. Yeah, You have to wear like a giant Pabu head or something. But there you go. There you go. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I could, uh, maybe I'll cosplay as like a Kyoshi Warrior or something. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I thank you, Josh, for joining me uh on this podcast it was a very much a long time coming i was like okay i'm I'm finishing all these episodes you know josh better come prepared for this episode this season or this podcast is like yeah i watched the first episode i don't really remember anything about this show (laughs) hope i didn't disappoint with with my background knowledge um but as as i said this is um i i i mean i i have a hard time comparing this like in terms of how much i like this compared to avatar i i kind of view them as a package deal uh-huh. and all together i think it's just like one of my favorite universes in fiction yeah um so uh-huh. I, I mean i've if you want to uh hear more about my thoughts on uh the avatar universe or the legend of korra uh, two of the couch potatoes I've written in the past have been about that. Oh, I didn't realize there was more than one. Yeah, I, I wrote one based on the the news about Avatar Studios saying what I would like them to focus on oh, before. Yeah, yeah. And the other one was just kind of me singing the praises of uh, the Legend of Korra once it finally got on Netflix. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so maybe yeah, we'll you link know, for remember those. when Josh used to write those segments? I, uh, it's, you know what I. I'm busy. He's busy. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, uh, Josh, where can people find you on the internet? Well, theoretically, they could find me at the Couch Trader column, but I've been really <laughs> crappy about writing those. Uh, Bill, I apologize. Um, but you can hear me with, with Bill and Alex on the um, monthly TV break podcast, where every month we break down all the news and our favorite things going on in the world of television and streaming. 
Um, we have a new episode coming up that uh, actually probably will be released around the same time as this. So please check that out. Um, last month, we talked about the Apple TV Plus show Severance, uh, which I was not the warmest on, but I want to give another shot. Um, and before that, we talked about the After Party, which I really liked. So um, Apple TV has got me a little hooked in right now, um, begrudgingly. So people can find me there. Um, and then also here with our monthly TV and film podcast. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm at Aaron Sarnecki on Twitter. Um, I haven't been super active recently. I usually tweet about movies that I've been watching. Um, I'll pro- speaking of movies that I, I need to watch, I need to wa- rewatch Moneyball for the, uh, the 100th episode of the Socially Distanced podcast that Bill and Al just put up. Um, so that, that should be fun. They've been talking about that for a while. And Moneyball was a movie that I really liked when I saw it. Yeah. I can't, can't say I've seen that one. No. Um, but no, yeah, I, I heard that's a fun podcast. So everyone should also listen to that as well. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know, Aaron, you haven't, uh, written any reviews to you recently, but I know you did review Uncharted uh, a while back. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's the most recent thing that I reviewed. Um, I kind of just, uh, see what happens next. Um, just keep keep an eye out because you know when something interests me i i definitely throw my hat into the ring i mean you reviewed resident evil you reviewed uncharted can we expect a sonic the hedgehog 2 review um i don't hmm, don't hold me to that okay okay i won't i won't um well aaron thank you for for picking this for letting me kind of just rave about one of my favorite shows i appreciate it oh yeah no problem yeah. And everyone uh, listening, thank you so much for joining us today. You know, we hope you come back next time. And until then, remember, she's the Avatar and you got to deal with it.